Okay, mic check. <laughs> Whew. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. That's pretty rough. Wait for a little bit closer. How's that? Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. <clears throat> All right, so. Uh, how do I start? How do I start this kind of thing? I've never done this kind of thing before. Oh, this is already off to a rough start. Okay. All right. So. All right. Okay. Let's start with who I am. Uh, really, uh, it doesn't matter. Not not as in like I as a person don't matter, but more in the sense that whoever is listening in case there is someone who is listening to this by chance out of the millions of podcast episodes that exist right now and you happen to listen to this one which is highly unlikely uh to you the listener it doesn't matter who i am uh and throughout the course of however long however long uh i decide to do this thing for uh throughout the course of this i will not try not to reveal any revealing details about who i am because really that doesn't matter the point of this uh isn't actually to like like define a a specific persona uh or or personality that people can follow and and engage with this is purely a selfish endeavor uh to put it like in most simplest terms it's uh for my own personal gain <laughs> uh yeah that's that's really it i don't have a noble reason or don't want to make people laugh or don't want to educate people it's just because there are things i want to improve on and things i need that things that would help contribute to my life uh that doing something like a podcast would help to do uh yeah so let's talk about some of those reasons just so i can have it on record so for one i have a really bad memory i don't know how if this is like a actual condition it probably isn't i might be up playing it up playing that's the opposite of downplaying right i might be up playing it super to to a really high extent just because uh i don't know like i'm not, i don't have amnesia or anything uh like anterograde or retrograde but i have i have really bad memory in the sense that i almost never remember experiences that i've had or details of experiences i can remember that something had happened but i don't remember the specifics of that kind of thing like what i what actually happened during this event so if i'd gone to sydney specifically sometime uh so for example, right? Sex in Australia. Um and I went there for a relative's birthday party, someone who I really like like I'm really close with. Uh I can remember that I went to Sydney for the purpose of seeing that relative for their birthday, but I can't remember what actually happened. So then when people talk to me, say family or other family members who were at this uh at this uh, event, and they start talking to me about oh you remember such and such as party you're so so lit dude <laughs> you're so lit you know remember when da 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 i'm like no I, i'm sorry 
the thing, yeah, the thing with my recollection is I don't remember specific uh, details of events, like at, almost at all. But what I do remember is how those events made me feel, and I feel like that applies to me much more than it seems to to other people because, uh. In, in the sense that, um, like, an experience will be much more vividly emotional to me if it really, like, if it was re- it's really close to my heart. But when I talk to other people and they're like, oh, dude, it was so amazing, and so, like, they'll go on about different details that happened during that event, and then afterwards they'll just forget. It's almost as if they've completely moved on once the subject topic's gone. But once, once we change the topic, my mind will still be on that event just because of, like, the, the visceral feelings of what that experience gave me. So the point of this entire possibly five minute tangent, I have no idea how long this is going for. The point of this is, is that I need a way to be able to like record my thoughts and memories in a way that is reasonable enough for me to listen to without wanting to kill myself. Uh, I don't know if I'll get cut down for that talking about this kind of stuff <laughs> so it's to record my memories so that i can look back on stuff and be able to remember oh, it was this time in this place and this is what happened to some extent to to a much better extent than my natural memory can uh facilitate if that makes sense uh that's probably one of the more principal reasons but the other thing is uh i want to work on my confidence uh which is sorely lacking i think I think it, it's definitely, I have a capacity, a certain capacity to be able to challenge myself. But when it comes to actually carrying myself with a certain air of uh, self-assurance and then being able to act on that basis of self-belief is actually something that I don't think I've been able to develop in the uh, number of years that I've been alive. Um and I thought something as small as talking to myself uh, in my house uh, and recording it would probably help to some extent. Uh, and that leads into me wanting to like improve on my speaking skills. So I think probably a very big part of confidence is speaking skills, right? Being able, like having the ability and the facility to being able to to be able to articulate yourself uh, well enough so that what you're saying is understood like mnemonically, like syllable by syllable, because I, whenever I, like my mind's racing, my mouth can't keep up at times. So then if I'm like super uh, engaged in a topic that I'm talking about with someone else, or even like that I'm trying to like recite out loud, say for like exam revision or something like that, I'll want to, ha- I'll have like five different things coming up that I want to say at the same time, but then my mouth just like muddles through all of that. And uh, I hear myself talking like that, uh, and I hate it just because <laughs> it's like I I I thought the thought. Why can't I just put it into words as fast as I think it? Which is like obviously not like a very logical thing to think, right? But at the same time, it's just kind of frustrating. Uh, it, like I have no basis for that, but at the same time, that's it is what it is, right? Um, so yeah, like basic diction. I, I, basic diction jesus christ uh i want to improve on that but also like being able to put my thoughts into order and then speak uh like with with a good flow i think i don't use filler words too much i know i just said like 
um, and I stutter a fair bit. Um, at least I think so. I don't know how I compare to other people, but uh, and I don't have a natural stutter or anything like that. But uh, I think the problem I have is when I'm uh, I feel like I'm pressured to speak. That's when my mind just completely stops. Like you've probably just heard at the very beginning of this episode. <laughs> episode. <laughs> oh yeah, this is whack. Anyway, okay, no, moving on. Just stay on track. So, at the beginning of this recording, right, uh, there were a lot of pauses just because I simply hadn't planned how I wanted to actually start speaking. Um, and I, I feel like being able to start speaking, continue speaking, and stop speaking is something that I think I should improve on and I want to improve on. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing I would say kind of related to this stuff, kind of not, is um, uh, like a, a kind of like a, an accountability of sorts. So I want to be able to, uh, like I'll be talking about a lot of different stuff, but I guess I want to talk about different habits I'm trying to build or different habits I'm trying to break, habits that I want, I'm trying to break. Um, uh, like different... Uh, um, thoughts that I want to purge from my mind or I don't know I basically just I just want to hold myself accountable with what I say and I feel like put like recording it and then putting it out there no matter how bad it might sound in in a audio recording sense it's more in terms of like I've spoken it right so I'm finna manifest it <laughs> no okay but yeah accountability uh and probably the fourth thing is venting so uh, it sounds like a juvenile term, but really, I've grown up uh, really bottling in the experiences I've had. Uh, I don't tend to talk to other people about uh, issues I'm having, or maybe even if I'm if it's something I'm excited about, I don't tend to talk to people about it, about any of that, uh, whether it's friends, family, uh, loved ones, relatives, whatnot. Uh, you get the picture, but. I, I haven't become accustomed to opening myself up like that uh, with a certain vulnerability to, to different people. This is not how I operate. And I'm not saying this in the sense that it actually puts a mental burden on me. I don't feel as though um, the issues I have like really weigh on me and I just have to talk to someone about them uh, almost like 98% of the time. I typically go along with the mindset that I want I want to deal with these issues or these thoughts myself. I don't want to process them myself before in case I do want to talk to someone, then I'll be like, okay, I've had this framework down. Um, this is how I feel about uh, what I've been going through. And this is what I'm going to tell this person. Um, I guess you could say, I just want a bit of pre-planning before I do open up to people. And the the other thing is, yeah, I don't, I, I mostly bottle. And also in most of my relationships, I'm the person who listens. Uh, or tries to active listen. Active listening is man is uh, it's it's a really good skill um, in making people feel like they cared about. I feel like I'm awesome at listening. Like 100%, I'm one of the best listeners. Active listening, I don't know, maybe 50-60% capacity. It, it really depends on my mood, I guess. But I definitely prefer listening over talking. Um, just because small talk is really hard for me. 
And even if we try to talk about deeper things, the thing I find most troubling is that I, I'll have these really, really, <laughs> this is a I'm 14 and this is deep type uh, Reddit sub post. <laughs> uh, but I'll have these really profound or like uh, introspective thoughts when I'm by myself. It doesn't matter where and when, but really like when I'm alone, I'll have these different thoughts and um, observations that I find really, really intriguing. But either I'll forget them whenever I talk to someone and the conversation steers towards something even remotely related to that, or I'll I'll just not want to bring that kind of thing up with other people, or um, that kind of thing never comes up in conversations. With that kind of thing being the profound observation that I that I uh, come to when I'm alone, right? So for various factors, basically, I can't actually uh, talk about things that I find interesting most of the time with people just because uh, I don't feel as though the person I'm talking to would be interested in that. So I guess you could say it's a bit of like uh, I really don't want to inconvenience the other person with my thoughts. So instead what I do is I try to take on their thoughts and I try to handle them, Um, which is, as I found, a very unhealthy habit. Um... (laughs) As in listening for that sole reason to take up, to take on their burdens and try to solve them, uh, I found is kind of like a not a god complex, but it's like a savior complex kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's that I because of my innate desire to listen rather than uh, talk rather than speak, uh, I take it too far and eventually I try to push the the onus of the conversation on the other person i don't make any effort to actually contribute to the to a conversation i'm having with another person um and yeah i could have just left it at i like listening more than talking but really i could probably try it depends on different people right some people really love small talk other people i don't know really like um like banter like humor other people do like introspection and um uh like philosophical dis- discussion and debate but uh you don't know the person until you really get to know them right and it's hard for me to get to know people if i don't open up um or i don't learn to open up and i don't do that in practice oh that's a weird way to say it i don't do that in real life um but yeah what am i talking about yeah right so venting um because I don't open up to people, I thought I may as well talk about issues or whatever the hell uh, I'm going through uh, in a recording. Um, yeah. So that's all the reasons I've, I've literally, <laughs> I've literally like written down a list of stuff I want to talk about. But uh, that's all that's coming to mind in terms of like why I want to do this. Um, it seemed interesting as well. Like a lot of people meme podcasts, but um, I think being able to divulge your thoughts uh, is really cool. Um, it's something my generation and like, especially like Gen Z, I guess the newer generation have a really hard time with in terms of listening to longer form content. Like even something like YouTube or Netflix can be really difficult just because uh, 10 to 20 minute videos is just so hard to commit to. Uh, I have friends who, if I send five-minute videos to them, 
they'll be like, okay, <laughs> I'm not watching this. <laughs> like, period. I've sent videos that just they just haven't replied to just because it's seven minutes plus. <laughs> uh, which I kind of find funny and kind of find frustrating. But at the same time, it's the same with me, right? Like, I completely get it. Our attention spans have been so short-circuited that trying to dedicate yourself even to something as simple as focusing on one piece of content that may be longer than what you're used to uh, is is a Sisyphean task. Like you just can't do it. You try to do it, and the harder it gets. You just stop, the boulder rolls down. Uh, yeah, like apps like Snapchat, Instagram, like TikTok, those kind... It's really, uh, I found, like, diminished my ability to be able to focus, at least um, in uh, in the sense of, like, what what, con- what content I consume. I watch way less TV shows and movies now because I know that I can't um, commit myself to be, to, like, having to watch that kind of thing. Uh, and instead I watch clips, like, <laughs> the TikTokers, I say that, right? I, I use that term loosely. These people are just people who just take TV shows and movies, like clips of TV shows and movies, and just post them on on um, as TikToks, like, and they split them up into parts. And what I do is, instead of watching a show that I might be interested interested in, I'll like f- like come across it on my for you page, and then <laughs> I'll just I'll see oh it's like part one of some some uh, TV show scene. I'm like oh that looks, that looks interesting. So then I'll go into the on their page and I'll start to go through each of the parts. Like part one I watched. Okay, let's go. Uh, go to their account page. All right, where's part two? I'll scroll through, try to find the second part. Part two. Oh, there it is. Click on it. What's that? Like, oof, oof, this is spicy. I keep going. Part three. Ooh, picking up. Part four, part five, part six. However many, you know, whatever saga this... this uh, TikToker is set up just to try and get views so they can get more money coming in. Because <laughs> that's the aim, right? Um, and by the end of it, I, I have gained nothing, absolutely nothing from it. Like, I've wasted all, like, uh, so much time. It's, uh, it's annoying. But at the same time, I know I've wasted time here. But, at the, uh, but I'll be thinking, well, I didn't watch 12 episodes of a season of this show just so I can see the same thing in that amount of time. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do that kind of thing anymore. Um, yeah, so... That was... I was not planning on talking about that. I don't know why that dragged on for so long. But, okay. Uh, what do we got? Okay. Upcoming exams. If you didn't hear that, that was my stomach. I don't know why. I, I ate a crap ton for dinner. I don't know why I'm... It's acting up right now, but... It's cool, we'll deal with it. So, upcoming exams uh, is something I want to talk about. So, I'm in uni. Won't say what year, won't say where I'm going, um, and won't say what I'm doing. But, uh, just finished semester, and uh, I'm just going into exam period right now. Um, and, uh, i got to say, uh, at the current level I'm at, there's a lot of detail that needs to be processed and understood. And then not only do you need to know that base level of detail and knowledge, but then you also have to be able to use that foundation to and apply it to uh, like cross-linking different aspects of that knowledge and then being able to apply them to uh, scenarios like application questions. Uh, 
for example, uh, and just a multi-layered uh, approach to having to learn and then integrate and then apply is uh, something I've been having trouble with. I actually think, no, 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 I'll rephrase that. I'm doing way better now than I was a couple weeks ago. Uh, just because the perpetual like landslide of lectures every week <laughs> is so mind-numbing. You Within a week, I'll have like, I don't know, five total lectures across four different courses and then like one two-hour tutorial for this one specific course that I'm doing. Uh, I have labs and stuff like that, but for those things, I go to uni in person, but because of COVID, you know, can't do lectures, so they'll have um, recordings online. And these recordings will build up because I'll have other stuff that I need to be doing, like assignments or... Uh, or actual revision, which even that I don't do much of, but really it's like assignments, assessment tasks, tests, that that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like different, different things pile up. And by the end, I'll have, by the end, of, like of, on a Saturday, let's say in week two, I'll have 10 different lectures that I have to get through. Uh, all recordings, all one hour, all, oh man. <laughs> I don't know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, like, uh, consuming consuming knowledge by lecture content is super hard, especially if it's recordings. Back when it was live, I could have I could have handled that way better in terms of learning it, right? Because I'd have to prepare beforehand. I, I, I like, take screenshots of my slides and then, like, put them up for, uh, like, in, in my note-taking app. And then I'll take notes as we go along uh, in the lecture. And then I can ask questions and, you know, whatever else. Um, and that's a system that's worked for me, but it's way harder at home just because, uh, for different reasons, just because uh, the main one being I can't, uh, like, I can't pay attention to someone talking for an hour uh, over a long period of time where I have to do that several times. Like, watching two lectures in one morning is already, like, that's burnout for me. <laughs> I can't do anything else for the rest of the morning. And I'm even less motivated to do anything in the afternoon and evenings as well. So the morning is actually the optimal time, optimal time for me to to um, study. I have no idea why. I find it way easier to wake up in the morning than go to sleep at night. As in like uh, stay up late. I think, I don't know, maybe I just burned out my um, night owl instincts. And instead, my early bird gene is being expressed or something like that. I don't know, something corny. But, yeah, um, got exams coming up. I think I'm approaching it pretty well. I'm starting to, what I'm doing right now, I'm, like, laying down concepts and concept lists and process lists, especially. I'm splitting up, basically, my lecture content into concepts and processes or systems uh, for the most part. And it's... It's working pretty well for the for uh, for most of them. For some of them, it kind of just does, it just falls apart. So I just do it by concepts, and then I just group systems and processes and processes into it as well. But uh, for others, like yeah, uh, even me just making those lists helped me like go through content that I just haven't gone through in a while, and that's really helped with just like refreshing my memory. Um, yeah, I think I think generally I have a pretty good knowledge base but then applying it so i'll give a really specific example that future me will just have no idea but you might, might, might just forget it except i will say this right now you need to know this 
this kind of stuff is really important. So, for example, uh, there are two types of postsynaptic uh, receptors that we've been learning. There are probably other ones, but I haven't looked into them. Looked into them. Uh, ionotropic and metabotropic. Yeah, ionotropic and metabotropic. So, ionotropic are mainly like ion channels. Um, I don't remember the presynaptic uh, neurotransmitter that actually binds to this to this uh, type of receptor, but the ion channels. Oh, I think it's acetylcholine. I, oh, it might not be acetylcholine. That might be muscarinic. Any, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, ionic, ionotropic um, receptors are ion channels. And then, so then what happens is they'll uh, allow ion influx into the postsynaptic cell, uh, which is usually another neuron, or if it's a neuromuscular junction, then it'll be the adjacent, like, muscular cell at that uh, after the... Uh, the synaptic cleft uh whereas muscarinic receptors can be like gpcrs g protein coupled receptors or uh or is it tkrs tyrosine tyrosine kinase receptors or, or rtks that's it rtks not tkrs receptor tyrosine kinases i think so for the second one i, I know it's gpcrs but yeah um but the thing is even though i know this uh, I I have to learn, like, where, like, what type of receptor out of these two are present in which organs, specifically, like, the heart, liver, uh, lungs, maybe, maybe lungs, yeah, kidneys, uh, yeah, muscle cells, smooth muscles, skeletal, cardiac, uh, like, those kind of things, what types there, and then what uh, uh, neurotransmitters work on these as well. Which is cooked. I'll say that right now. Ah, oh, man. That'll be a process. It won't be too hard once I actually get into it. And I should probably do it in the morning. Just because, like I said, I I work best in the mornings. But getting over that initial mental block of having to know... Having to, like, actually start doing the work. I've seen this on TikTok, <laughs> funnily enough. But being able to get over that initial mental block and then actually start doing work is something I can have trouble with often and that's actually what stops me from doing work in the afternoon and the evenings because i've just used up my energy going full speed ahead in the morning uh there's got to be some way to regulate that but i actually haven't haven't figured out how to do that so you know can't really uh can improve i just have to find a way that works for me i guess which i haven't been able to do just because uh between my responsibilities i just haven't been able to do that kind of self-reflection um as a side note, um, this might uh, this might give it away. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just say this. So, if it wasn't already obvious, I live in Australia, um, and uh, to be a doctor, right, through a postgraduate pathway, you have to do. You have to usually have to sit a test called GAMSAT. And I recently sat that back in March. And I got back a score that I wasn't actually sure whether it was good or not initially because I'd forgotten how the percentiles matched up, whether it was good or not, right? And I talked with another friend who was already doing medicine and uh, my mother, and they both said that that was actually a really, really good score, um, which I was surprised by because I had done next to no practice at all for this test prior to actually sitting it. So it really struck me by surprise because... Uh, before that, I'd done a separate test that tests for similar, like, skills as a game set, but I didn't really score that well in it, and it kind of, 
um, not necessarily brought my confidence down, but more like it set me into perspective the kinds of skills I'm lacking in. Um, and I had thought that because the game set also tests for these kind of skills, it really, um, like, that the, the first impression or the other test that I did prior really um, affected my view of this test as well. But anyway, like, I, I decided I'd sit it anyway this year, um, just give it a go and see how it pans out. Um just for the hell of it, you know, just to see if my aptitude is, like how my aptitude is naturally, without, uh, with little to no practice. Um, yeah, and I actually got a pretty good score. Um, once my, my acquaintance, I should say, uh, told me about it, I was like, wow, okay, this was way better than I'd ever expected. Um, I'm not sure how I should feel about this. Uh, but in the end, like, yeah, I'm, very happy about it it's something that um i'm pretty proud of because <laughs> i'm not the one who can ace tests I, it wasn't an ace it's not an ace just to be clear but i'm not the type to excel at tests uh without any um prior practice i'm not the gifted type um so this i don't know it, it boosted my ego more than uh more than what is healthy <laughs> i should say but okay all right enough of that so um, do I want to talk about this? No, I might talk about it later. It's a bit more personal, so I'll skip that. And instead, I'll talk about my flaws. Oh, how personal is that? So, all right, here's where the accountability uh, aspect of this whole um, operation really comes up. So, I think the only person I've ever told this to is pretty much my mother. Um, and I can confide in her for anything, really. My sister as well, but uh, I, I don't want to tell her about uh, these kind of things. Uh, it's because it doesn't feel right to talk about that, that kind of thing with the sibling, even though they could relate to it to it more than I than uh, something like someone like a parent could. But um, I think I'm digressing. I've got to get down to the point. So, all right. Uh, some of the biggest flaws I have in terms of habits, um, starting off pretty surface level, is uh, I say sorry a lot, which I think is a symptom or like a manifestation of my lack of self-assurance. Um, and, and I say sorry like almost unnecessarily, like it's too, too an excess. Um, I'll apologize to my sister, which is absolutely absurd, right? Who, what kind of brother would do that? <laughs> but I still do it, and it feels weird every time I say it. And it's unwarranted, and I never hear her apologize, almost ever. Like, I never heard the words sorry escape her mouth. Um, at least to me, for a long time. She'll say it to other people. Like, isn't, she isn't, like, heartless, but it's not the same. Right. I think she and I really diverge in terms of our self-assurance and um, uh, like congruence. Uh, although she does have her, her shtick, uh, which is not my place to say. But yeah, I think, I think even despite whatever she goes through, she still has a base self-assurance in herself that she has an innate ability to be able to uh, use her characteristics for to to better herself 
or to better her life or the lives of others around her. Whereas for me, I don't have that same kind of confidence to carry out uh, the use of my skills to better myself, my life, or the lives of others. Um, yeah. Uh, so on the surface level, yeah, I kind of say sorry a lot. Uh, to get a little more personal, um, I tend to bite my fingers and my uh, lips a lot, particularly my bottom lip uh, and my thumbs. Uh, and when I say bite, I mean like I bite a bite skin off uh, my thumbs, for example, and then I like eat, like I'll just swallow. Um, uh, and initially, right, this these habits both started when I was very young. I think because um, uh, growing up, I my mother remarried, and uh, after she remarried. Uh, we went through a bit of a separation phase where uh, I was in joint custody. So I went back and forth between my birth father and my mother, right? Um, and during that time, right, I didn't really have many things to worry about as a kid, but I really didn't like my birth father, let's just say at the time. Um, so going to his place at the weekends really stressed me out. And to help, I think, cope with that was the reason I started to bite my fingernails and bite my lips and, like, um, swallow, like, the bits that I bite off just because, like, I feel like I'm breaking myself down almost. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. That might not even be the actual reason why, but I feel like it's the, the primary cause for why I, I have these habits. And... Like growing up, I've I've begun to accept my birth father and why my mother's first marriage failed and the lead up to that and then the events afterwards have led to me having this habit. I've kind of come to accept that. The problem is, right, um, strangely enough, despite my acceptance of my birth father, these habits of me like biting my, my fingers and my lips, they still haven't gone away. Like they're still super pervasive i'm looking at my thumbs right now they look destroyed i'm looking at my other fingers as well they look cooked uh not as cooked as my thumb but definitely quite bad um and it it really like um confounded me that's a good word <laughs> confounded me as to why like i why i'm still doing this i don't have any qualms um because like from my childhood right so I shouldn't have any reason to keep going but I think what's happened is that this habit that was born from stress and potentially trauma I don't think it's that serious but um, but from past events has just become a habit like a neural habit in and of itself like it's something that I've ingrained into my um, conscious it's like as natural as brushing your teeth right it just happens I like occasionally look at my thumb and say oh there's a good piece hanging off um numb that one off um and throughout the day i'll just see my fingers break down um for a time i'd stopped completely and this they look really good um afterwards the the thing is my thumbs are kind of like it's, it's strange because the parts where i've been biting off and then the parts where i don't there's a clear divide between them so you'll see like pink skin where i've been biting off and then browner like darker skin where like my like my thumb's natural skin is like still appears so 
when I had stopped biting, what eventually happened is all the scabs, all the scars left. And then all that was left was like my <laughs> my thumb. And then looking at it, uh, like say you're looking at it from the point of view of like my fingernail looking at looking back at you, right? You'll see half of my thumb uh, from like my knuckle upwards. Um, like half of it is brown, right? Like normal. The other half is pink. So it's like a... <laughs> It's like a weird Venn diagram type thing. Maybe not a Venn diagram. It's not a good example, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's, you can clearly see that, like my thumbs are not natural. Like they're not meant to naturally be like that. And the proportion between my right thumb and my left thumb in terms of the pink skin, right, into uh, compared to natural brown skin, is different as well. So if someone was really observant, they can see that, uh, my thumbs like they're not normal. Um, yeah, so that's the first thing. <clears throat> the other thing is, uh, I have an addiction. Oh, <laughs> this one's, this one's harder to say out loud just because the stigma, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about it. Um, it's like normal, but I'm so unaccustomed to talking about this and like facing up to it that like even, even the thought of beginning to talk about it kind of sets me on edge, but <clears throat> I'm alone right now. If there is someone listening, uh, I'm sorry for anybody here, but do not. <laughs> I don't know. Just if you don't want to hear about angsty issues, just turn off. I mean, you already have, right? So it doesn't matter. All right. So here goes. Come on, man. All right. So I have an addiction to uh, masturbation. Um, now I would have added pornography to that as well so a lot of people group pornography slash masturbation to that kind of ha- uh, the habit that addiction right but the thing with me is it's less pornography uh, uh like like uh, conventional pornography and more um just generally suggestive content which can include pornography but the the crux of my issue is more with masturbation than pornography so i think the first time i whacked my meat <laughs> the first time i I, <laughs> I beat it right um the first time i made it rain was around 13 14 or maybe even younger i think it was around when i was in middle school or entering high school so probably like year seven or eight um it was the first time i did it and it was completely by accident i just thought oh let's give it a try did and this wasn't without exposure to like suggestive content this is just me like uh toss potting around is not a good word a good way to say it but you get what i mean um and then from that point on i was like oh okay okay use this so then i kept going and eventually i had found that a real trigger for me is uh, seeing suggestive content. I'm re- I'm I'm really like not. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to specify. <laughs> it's very hard for me to say my addiction, but <sighs> talking specifics is so hard. I don't know why. I'm alone. I can literally talk about. I think it just comes with time. The more I talk about this out loud, even if it's to no one at all, into an ether the more I'll just be comfortable with coming to terms with it. Because the truth is I have actually been having trouble coming to terms with this addiction. 
I talked about it, talked about it with my mother, as I as I told you. Um, and for two weeks, no, it was a week from that point <clears throat> that I abstained, and then I relapsed uh, for a couple of days, and then I I abstained for two weeks, which I will say right now I'm very proud of. I don't know how the hell I did that, but two weeks, fourteen days, I I lasted that long, and then bang out. <laughs> relapsed again now the thing is right obviously it's a process but there's got to be things you change about the process of recovery that lead to you being able to uh, reduce the likelihood of relapse you'll never completely reduce the likelihood of relapse i think for any addiction right but uh what really helped for, for example for me doing those 14 days was the mantra you know like out of sight out of mind right so if i had kept myself busy enough with things that I found which I uh, perceived as genuinely um, important things to do aside from beating my meat um, as well as um, like not exposing myself to that kind of content as much so I like use my phone even less than I do so I won't use it in the toilet for example take 10-20 minute toilet breaks (laughs) Uh, I won't take my phone to the toilet. I won't look at my phone before I go to sleep. Didn't look at my phone before I got up. Um, that kind of thing. And for 14 days, I did that kind of thing. And it really worked. But at some point, like, it just... The thoughts started entering. And I... Yeah, it went back to it. Went back to program as usual. Um, yeah. I'm not... Like, like, I, like I'd said, right... It's not, um, like, I get that, um, relapsing doesn't mean, there isn't the end, like, recovery isn't all, uh, uphill, right? I think eventually I'll reach the point where I'll be able to self-regulate, um, and I can beat my mental wiring, because this is so innate right now this habit of mine as as well as you know um, me biting my fingers on my lips um it's so innate like I'll, I, there's been days where i've done it like seven eight times <laughs> i'm not joking <laughs> it was <laughs> uh it hurts so much <laughs> but the eighth time i was just it was just dust <laughs> god those days i absolutely had no productivity as well see this is the other thing that really frustrates me right so one is i feel like i'm just boiling down how i view women um to just as like i I just completely objectify them which annoys me greatly to phrase it as an understatement but also it's such a huge waste of time at least for me now i know some people have to do it and you know it's healthy to do it like uh once in a while right in order like to control your urges and like some people may do it i don't know two to three times a week but like i just said some days i'll reach peaks of seven or eight on average i might do it three or four times a day like when i was in um when i was in high school like for me it was really really uh like it drained my life and i like it drained my energy, it drained my time, 
um, and it drained, it drained like currencies that I saw other people being able to exchange freely, whereas I was so like poor in those aspects that I couldn't actually engage in those marketplaces, if that makes sense. I don't know if this is too esoteric, but yeah, it's it frustrates me more than I like to admit. There, there are some hilarious jokes where, you know, you you like a guy beats it out, and then uh, they just enter like a whole depressive episode, <laughs> which is which is super funny to see people like joke about and make bits on, right? But the the feeling is so viscerally real and not a joke that whenever I experience it myself, I'll be like. There it was. I really just did that. Saw a meme where it was like this, uh, a smiling, like a smiling guy, and it's like me before relapse, and then <laughs> that same guy frowning uh, me after relapse. It's funnier if you see the meme, but I don't know. I, f- I found it funny. I, I have a dad sense of humor, I guess. I don't know. Or my my sense of humor is just super basic. But yeah, it's it's like it's true. Um, yeah, so right now I'm in relapse, um, both with biting my fingers, like I mentioned, and also with wanking, um, but this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing this, excuse me, is to start talking about these things to something so that I have it out there and it exists and it's not just a, a, a f- like a facet of my mind that's like controlling what I do I don't want to let this control me anymore um, it, it's as much pain as it is pleasure if not more um, yeah and I don't know I feel like w- it might be bad to put this on other people, but a, a, a very principal reason for me wanting to stop is also like the fact that it brings shame to me and my family and to people who I respect. Like if they found out you do something like that, which is obviously, like I said, it's pretty normal. Um, it's also a very good method of abstinence, right? Because if you can control your urges by masturbation, then you don't have sex, reduce your chances of getting STDs, right? But the thing is, or STIs, I don't know. I guess they rephrased that term or revamped it. But the thing is, even so, the social stigma that comes with masturbation is still, I think, very real, especially in ethnic cultures, um, like non-Western cultures, so say Asia, um, Africa, those kind of cultures, I think. I'm generalizing to Africa, but definitely in Asia. Um, self, self-satisfaction in that sense is very looked down upon. Um, so it's, it's like that, that cultural influence on me, uh, has led to me being like thinking, what would my relatives or the people I respect the most think of if they found out that I do this kind of thing, right? Um, 
I don't know if that's a it's if that's an innately pure um, motivation to stop masturbating, right? Because the thing is, if if my motivation is inherently extrinsic and it doesn't come from within, how effective could it be? But at the same time, um, we're social creatures, right? So we base a lot of our lives on other people, how they act, how they live, how they affect our lives, right? So is it really, it makes me think it fits really that bad to want to uh, let other people distort your life, um, especially me having the kind of motivation where I'm like my self-respect, but then in addition, how other people view me or or rather how they may view me should they know that I do this kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know what? That's actually a perfect segue into the last point, which I wasn't actually thinking of talking about, which is really my, about my sister and me. Um, so I guess I may just, well, like, beat it out. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible choice of words. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. All right, so... Yeah, so that that kind of uh, my extrinsic purpose or my dependence on extrinsic purposes, I think, is what uh, is a good way to lead into uh, a really defining difference between me and my sister. My sister's changed a lot over the past. Now, she was just like me, in the, I think, in the sense that uh, when we were both younger, we really lived uh, to meet our parents' expectations. So a good test score or really good like extracurricular activity result I don't know we get a trophy for something um makes our parents happy and then that by extension makes us happy right it makes sense I mean obviously like a lot of children if not almost every child when they were younger lived because lived in the world uh in the sense that their parents were their world so then their parents expectations were like the rules and guidelines to how children live their life um so for the longest time for me and for my sister it's um been the case that we follow our parents expectations and then their word is law but more recently my sister has been changing in the sense that she's found other motivations that help her that help to drive her now the main point I'm making is that my sister is able to intrinsically motivate herself to a much better extent than I can, whereas I source my motivations more from ex- external means, right? But the thing is, I'm not saying my sister is completely devoid of external motivations. She actually has a very strong external motivation that I will not talk about because it's not my business to talk about, right? Um, but she, like, she uses that with... Um, with um, her belief in herself to be able to act. I think I just realized... (laughs) I I just realized she hasn't changed. Oh, my God. I didn't think about this at all. So the funny thing is, I was thinking about this whole spiel about motivations, intrinsic or extrinsic. And I'd written it down one day just because I was like, oh, I don't want to forget this kind of thing. This is amazing. Um, But now I've just realized my sister actually still depends on extrinsic motivations but she doesn't seek it from my parents anymore if anything my parents are a great source of advice and um, comfort 
But now she doesn't want to depend on them at all. If anything, she wants to be completely, completely independent from them. She's removing, like, divorcing herself from them, not emotionally, but um, in terms of a uh, like a dependent nature, as opposed to being independent in how she lives her life and how she approaches the studies, what and on, the yada yada yada, right? Um, but she's found an extrinsic motivation elsewhere that helps her to drive. And she's told me this before. She's like, if I don't have number two, then I'm done. Number two isn't like her new motivation. Um, yeah, I think I realized that she hasn't changed. She's only shifted. Um, and that I think I've changed because in the past, I was exactly like my sister, right? Exactly like my sister, right? I worked to meet my parents' expectations. And they, their word was paramount. But as time went on, I realized that was completely insufficient or it's unsustainable. Um, you can't keep that kind of charade up for too long just because um, it it burns you out. It drains you. It's kind of like this. It's not like that. <laughs> it's not like masturbation. <laughs> nah, but yeah, I think you get what I mean. Like, if you don't live for yourself to some extent, then how are you able to um, sustain and live for others? Uh, I think there are some examples of like some parents who can really like dedicate themselves to their children at the complete expense of their own, which I find admirable, but at the same time self-destructive and undesirable. Um, so as time went on, the dependence I had on my parents' affection and uh approval uh, began not to diminish but to be it began to be put more into perspective for me because I found that I wasn't really living for myself at the time um, I was really living for what they wanted uh, or, or they would have wanted so my parents are not dictators by any means they definitely tell both of us to do the both of us to do whatever we want with our lives but the the thing is uh, the expectations that I had perceived from them, I built up so much in my mind that I had thought, okay, these caricatures of what my parents wanted me to do, I have to meet these impressions or these um, misrepresentations to the highest level possible. Um, and eventually what happened is just, I just, uh, it made me really, really depressed. I'm not I don't think I have depression in terms of the medical condition by any means, but I think it really made me feel empty uh, because I, I found no aspect of myself in what I was striving to do at the time. Um, myself or my motivations. So then at a certain point, I had a conflict between my between the motivations I draw determination from, right? External or in, internal. Um the, the thing is, up until then, I had no internal motivations. Uh, I'm a very, very unambitious guy. I'll say this right now. If if I were allowed, I would just drift through life. <laughs> no, obviously, I have things I want to do, as in like, uh, like places I want to go, things I want to see, hobbies I want to try out, like stuff like that. Yeah, but any human has that. But I'm saying professionally... And socially, I do not care about progressing. Uh, 
I'm content just living a life of mediocrity and then fading into obscurity. Um, I think part of that stems from my uh, religion. So I'm Buddhist, right? And Buddhism is really hard. Oh, no. My thing's about to die. But okay. Oh, I'm going to have to finish this up soon. Uh, let's see. Buddhism, there's a lot of facets to Buddhism, but I think a really big part that I take away from Buddhism is impermanence, right? The fact that you can't, like nothing is ever going to be uh, 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 impenetrable to the power of time or the flow of time. As time goes on, everything will fade and everything will, uh, there's nothing everlasting, everything will fade into obscurity, as I said before. So, given that, right, I I feel like in in my attempt to live, I don't live for a specific reason. I do find that I like helping people. Um, I might talk about this later, but I find that I don't live for for a particular reason like some people do, like for family or, I don't know, for success or, I don't know, for money for some people, you know? Uh, I don't have a specific reason. Um, I think the reason I'm living is because I want to die. And no, I'm not suicidal. And what I mean is I, I want to I want to experience what it's like to die. Uh, but I don't want to do it in an unnatural way. I want it to be a pro- like a natural progression. Um, and uh, like, para- like above all, if possible, I would really, I, I most want to die peacefully and to never be reincarnated, which is another, uh, reincarnation is another facet of Buddhism, uh, which I don't necessarily believe in. I'm on the fence about that. But if it were true, I definitely would not want to reincarnate um, just because of, the way this world is. Um, but yeah. Uh, why why did I get on this? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, motivations. So f- for a long time. I sourced my motivation externally. So I had no. Um, like self. I think this is probably another reason. Why I don't have any self confidence. Is because I never. F- like nurtured a uh, innate sense of motivation. Uh, for a specific reason because if all I'm living for is to die then for what reason would I have to do anything right trying to find motivation intrinsically if at the end I know everything is futile is um, it seems meaningless it seems pointless Uh, which is why I think even now I still sometimes struggle with trying to like find an innate motivation um so I think part of the solution that I've come up with actually isn't okay. The goal I'm get I'm trying to get to is trying to foster innate motivation. I don't think that's what I'm trying to get to now. I think what I'm trying to do now is foster motivation wherever I can, um, but I I make it purposeful, um, not in a way that ma- gives me purpose or well, it gives me purpose, but. Like, like I don't think anything gives me purpose, technically, because like as I, as I've just said, uh, once I die, it'll all be over. Uh, I don't take to my next life what 
I, what I'd done in the past if karma doesn't apply, which I also am not sure about. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I think what I'm trying to do is rather than trying to make my end goal uh, 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 the nurturing of an innate motivation, I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use my extrinsic motivations um, to give me a logically valid reason to um, pursue like high, a higher level of, um, of, of doing good. Or, or, or aspiring to be a higher level of moral, uh, like a higher level of, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm trying to, I'm trying to use extrinsic motivations to help me find a purpose in order to live to a higher moral standard, right? So, for example, I think that there are no innately good people in this world. I'll say that upright right now, like straight up. I also don't, I think in very rare cases there are bad people and this can be for various number of reasons and also good and bad is a whole nother topic that I fully haven't fleshed out in my personal philosophy, right? I think there are no good people and there are very rarely bad people. I think most of us are people who are capable of doing bad things and often do, but instead aim to do uh, good things, whether it's altruistic or it's good for the self. Um, I think, and, and and as such, it gives me the perspective in the sense that I see people as having the potential to do good. It doesn't matter what they've done up and up to that point, um, or their views, or their actions up and up until that point. Their uh, you know their misgivings from their pasts. It doesn't matter. At any given point in a person's life, no matter how how many bad things they've done they still have the capacity to do good. They still have the potential to be able to contribute either to their own development or to the development of others or to the betterment of the world. <clears throat> There's probably other categories in which um, good things apply to, right? Doing good things for. But I, I believe that this potential shouldn't be wasted because there are other people in this world aside from me who hold a differing view that they don't live to die, but instead they live so that they can, you know, nurture their families, um, live to specific moral standards, um, bring something better into the world, leave leave the world or their corner of the world in a better place than when they'd come. Uh, what's that quote? Leave leave wherever you go better than when you found it, or something like that. Um, which I think is a pretty nice quote, actually. Um, yeah, because there's there's all these other people with so many different perspectives who don't necessarily want to um, live for the sake of dying, right? I So I think one of the ways I've been able to rationalize my motivation is by saying because other people have such different motivations, this means that what I can do in this lifetime to give my life purpose aside from dying which is probably my main is to try and fulfill their potential to do good be able to put them in the position where they'll be able to do as much good as possible moving forward so i think my purpose isn't necessarily to do good myself 
or to contribute in any way aside from being able to help other people utilize their potential to do good to their maximal capacity that's probably the most succinct way i can put my main purpose for living aside from dying because i don't know i just can't i can't see any other way of rationalizing my external motivations without having to come up with an internal motivation and maybe i'm being too narrow minded maybe this is now an internal motivation because i genuinely actually believe in this in this sentiment and i think it's more than a sentiment if anything i think it's it's a it's a maxim that i want to make a part of my life um when i grow up and i enter the in enter the professional workplace i want to make it a priority i want to make it a mantra being able to contribute to helping other people uh fulfill their potential to do good it it sounds like <laughs> when i first thought it it gave me shivers and even now i kind of think like it's it's definitely not innate i think or at least i view it as not but it comes close it helps me it helps me give myself another reason aside from wanting to die um yeah it's it's one of the first few thoughts i've had where it it really set my my expectations for myself apart from expectations of people around me um yeah and see this is the thing this is the this is the type of stuff i think about one very personal and two also not very you know small talky or bantery um and even when we talk when people go into introspective conversations you wouldn't necessarily talk about this kind of stuff unless prompted and people are innately more likely or more prone to talk about themselves because humans are like i think intrinsically self-centered i think even i am right because of my my selfish desire to want to listen rather than speak and then push the responsibility of the conversation and keeping the conversation flowing onto the other person what i do is i'll just like not really contribute to the conversation in terms of dialogue um and that's a i think that's a selfishness on my part um i think it's definitely something that i uh that makes me selfish that's one part this seems really minor but i'm very selfish in other ways right i'm definitely not a good person um but yeah this is the thing some of the stuff that i think about i just can't like or it'll never come up organically in a conversation where i can say this stuff because the conventional view is that wanting to die is not a good thing right if someone came up to you and told you i wanted to okay that's not <laughs> no no okay someone you know very well uh and who's comfortable talking to you about um deeper topics told you I want to die. Out of context, that'll sound really worrying. You'll be like, oh, "Are you all right, man? Um, do you need any help? Do you want to talk to me about something? What's going on in your life?" But for me, it's not. I'm not like suicidal. This isn't something I want. I don't want to cut my life short by any means. I'm just I just don't see the point of having to live for a reason that I I manifest myself from within. Um and talking about that with other people uh they may not necessarily understand that and people don't really grapple well with ideas they're not used to so if i ever talk about this kind of thing with someone else 
uh, it might sound so alien to them that they just don't know how to respond. And in a sense, I'm really uncomfortable with inconveniencing people like that or making people uncomfortable or disoriented in that way because of my views. Now, that's not me saying I don't want to have like constructive debate, not debate, but constructive conversation and criticism and being able to talk so that we, me and another person who are in a conversation, leave learning, having learned more and being able to disagree amicably and debate ideals and values, right? This isn't that. I just don't want to... I just don't want to talk about this kind of stuff with people who probably won't be interested in that or and wouldn't be interested in what I have to say, if that makes sense. My sister's got like a lot of stuff going on in her life right now. So me having to talk about this kind of stuff to her would definitely like she'll phase it out. She has a very short um, threshold. Ooh, what the hell was that? Okay, anyway, um, yeah, I think I've pretty much covered everything I want to talk about. I'm, I haven't timed this. I don't know why I'm doing this in GarageBand and, uh, it's still on the beat setting. So it's going by bars and beats instead of like an actual stop clock watch. Um, so I have no idea I've been going on for, but I've actually hit all the points that I wanted to hit. There are a couple of ideas that I had while I was talking about certain things in this recording that I was like, oh, I want to talk about this, but I don't know. I feel like if I divulge too much at the first time, then I'll have nothing left to say the next time I record. But at the same time, I'm not really recording every day, right? So I'm thinking maybe make this weekly. I don't I don't think I have enough time to do it anymore regularly. And it's not like it's making me money or contributing except for a personal sense of satisfaction, really. So I think we'll put it off there. Put it off there? End it there. <laughs> put it off there. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the end of my first shindig. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> All right, peace. <laughs>